Hello everyone and welcome back to the Let's Talk Sports Podcast. I'm CJ Poland along with my brother Brandon. Uh, today on the podcast we have another installment of the MLB and more topics on that currently. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. So Brandon, our first uh, thing that we're going to talk about tonight is about Juan Soto. Uh, Juan Soto is the, you know, is the... Uh, pretty much the star for the Washington Nationals um, right now. And lately there have been some, you know, conspiracies on whether he's going to get traded or not. Rumors, a lot of rumors based on uh, an offer that he had turned down. So, uh, but I found an article right here that I'm just going to read off and it'll explain a little more of the situation. So... Uh, it says Juan Soto is not being traded. Their 18 and 33 record entering play Wednesday. The Washington Nationals have the worst mark in the National League and are only looking down at the 16 and 32 Kansas City Royals for the distinction of being the worst team in baseball. With superstar outfielder Juan Soto having turned down a 13-year, 350 million dollar contract extension offer over the most recent offseason common logic would lead many to believe that the 23 year old may be on the trade block nationals general manager mike rizzo strongly dismissed the idea of moving soto during a podcast on wednesday morning so brandon i'm gonna give it over to you now uh you have some more background stuff on this. Yeah, CJ, thank you. And so, a couple things to note for Juan Soto. He has been a tremendous ball player since he came into the major leagues in 2018 when he was only 19 years old. Uh, I'm sorry, 18 years old. So, we've seen a lot from this kid. He has already won a World Series. He is an all-star already. He has already led the National League in batting average for an entire season. He has um, been the national starting day right fielder since he came up when he was 18. And, CJ, there's not really much that this kid can't do when it comes to hitting. He is very patient at the plate. He walks a ton. He knows his strike zone, and if it's not in his strike zone, he's not going to swing at it. Uh, which is not something that we normally see out of a kid so young. So it's he's a very good ball player, and we know this. And that is why everyone was kind of surprised when Juan Soto turned down this huge contract offer in the post or in the off season, Sorry, and that that made all of us think, well, okay, he wants to be dealt. He wants to move somewhere else and no longer pl- be on the Washington Nationals anymore. He's had his time there. Help them win a World Series, and he's ready to move on. Well, that is also, or that is not the uh, idea we get from the general manager when they talk about it. But, CJ, I have to point out that that's his job as his coach to protect him from any trade rumors just so he can focus on playing baseball. Whether there's trade rumors or not between the owner and the general manager and other teams. The head coach's job is to protect Juan Soto and to protect the Washington Nationals day in and day out, so he wouldn't tell us even if there was. 
So we got to kind of be weary on that. Um, and sometimes owners and uh, general managers move players without the permission of the head coach. That happens all the time. It happened with Billy Bean a lot for the Oakland Athletics and the famous movie called Moneyball. We know that for a fact that general manager will sometimes move players without the coach's permission and sometimes to the coach's dismay. So we have to be weary on when we say he's definitely not getting traded. But at the same time, you would think that if someone was wanting to deal him, they would go ahead and do it so they can get the full second half of the season out of Juan Soto for their club. So, I don't know. It kind of goes both ways. Uh, if he does leave the Washington Nationals, it's going to be a turning of the page for sure. He's been a perennial star ever since he showed up. And uh, it's always, as Braves fans, it's always for us, it's always Acuna versus Soto. Who's better? Who's going to be better? Um, and to this point, CJ, they're very close together on stats. And Juan Soto is just... He's a hard out to get, and he th- we think that every time he plays the Braves. And so it's uh, it's very interesting what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. So I'm interested to see what happens around trade deadline time. I wonder if the Nationals are going to stick to what they've said or if they are going to try to move him, let's say, their last place of the NL East and trying to get something out of him. They may They may change their minds. Yeah, Brandon, definitely. And that's something that, um, you know, that really is in any sport. Um, Trades and, you know, that kind of stuff is a part of it. And it can happen to really any, you know, any players. You know, sometimes we might think the bigger players are in, you know, bigger contracts and that they probably won't be traded. But it can happen to you know really anyone it's a business at the end of the day when you think about it and so even like you said uh just because they said that you know they're not going to trade somebody it's really at least just to calm the media down i like how you said that and so we really got to uh not completely close out this possibility of him being traded but brandon i was wanting to ask you uh do you think it would be a good move in the Nationals' position to maybe look for a trade in Soto's position. CJ, if I was the Washington Nationals uh, and people were calling and asking about Soto, I would ask for the moon. Uh, He is worth so much. His talent is unlike any other. So if, if I had teams on my phone... I would be asking for a lot in both good prospects and a lot of draft picks. So you would you would have to pay me high in order to get Juan Soto. So I don't know. He he's a once in a lifetime talent at his age. So he's going to be hard to move. I don't know that I would necessarily move him, but if for me to even consider it, you would have to offer a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, and um, we know that, like like I just said, anybody can get traded, and anybody can be, you know, signed. the The offer he turned down uh, in the past off season, you know, it was a thirteen year, three hundred fifty million dollar deal, um, and he will be a free agent uh, in twenty twenty four, I believe. Yes. Um. 
and so really uh they're not they don't have to lock in a deal you know super quick and so really i guess it was just more of a way to set the starting uh bid we know that people when teams try to sign players they the current team gets the you know usually goes out first and offers the player a contract and it's not usually one that gets accepted by the player it's usually a one on the lower end and i guess we kind of like to think of it as a way to start the bidding and so really this could mean uh nothing at all and so um but on the same thing you know it could mean a whole lot so really we're not too sure yet but brandon that's really the main thing i wanted to focus on was would it be a good thing for the nationals you know they're 18 and 33 right now it's not very good and so something obviously has to change and whether that's trading your star players for another star player or you know trading your star player for uh you know some decent uh to you know rest of smaller players i guess what i'm saying is maybe build around the entire team instead of trying to focus it more on one person that could be an approach that they need to take um brandon what do you think would be a better approach for the nationals going into uh, their future well cj for me i always want to win now so if you're the nationals and you're wanting to win next year you do not get rid of juan soto and that's the mindset that i would be in uh we want to win or that's the if i was the head coach general manager whatever the washington nationals i would not be looking towards um five six years down the road i would be looking for next year so I would want to win, and to do that, you're going to need Juan Soto on your team. So I would not deal him personally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, the draft is coming up and you know, not too long. Um, but it's more of so an approach, like you said, not for when, – when we see teams go for these long approaches, like you said – you know, five or six years, they're not. It's the teams that aren't very good currently, like the Washington Nationals. But sometimes, you know, those approaches for many years to come can be pretty, you know, risky. And so maybe it is even a safer option to go with, the, you know, more of a next year and next two or three years approach instead of way on down the road. Um, but yeah, Brandon, um, is there anything else that you want to add on to that? Nope. Okay. Uh, so next I, uh, have a fun fact here. The fun fact is something that we've done for the past two podcasts and we're going to start doing it. Um, I like doing them, so I think we're going to keep doing it for, uh, the rest of the podcast here to come. So this one staying on the topic of baseball and Brandon I want to know if you knew this or not but uh the legendary players Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron both scored the same number of career runs 
they both had exactly 2,174. CJ, I did not know that. That is wild. Yeah, that's. I thought that was, you know, absolutely crazy. Um, for them to have, I mean, coming down to the same exact number. Uh, of course, both, you know, great uh, Hall of Fame legendary players uh, that we all, that everybody knows, and you know, it's. I don't know. It's just it's really strange to see something uh, like that. It's really more of a coincidence, I guess, more than anything else. But yeah, uh, that's that's pretty crazy. So uh, okay, so the next thing we're going to talk about here is about uh, the New York Yankees and their decisions on trading one of their bigger players, Joey Gallo. Um, Brandon. Uh, New York Yankees outfielder Joey Gallo, time in the Bronx, reportedly could come to an end this season. Uh, Mark Feinsand, I hope I'm saying that right, of MLB.com reports that some people around the league think that the Yankees could look to a deal the struggling slugger by this year's trade deadline. One National League executive compared his situation to pitcher Sonny Gray, who struggled in pinstripes but found his groove after he parted ways with new york uh he's been a little better lately the nl executive said of gallo if he continues to struggle it wouldn't surprise me to see them try to flip him joey gallo has played in 34 games this season and has a batting average of 176 with five home runs seven rbis and 45 strikeouts brandon we know that those statistics right there are very low, very low. Uh, to have a batting average under 200 is just not going to get it cut in the MLB today. Uh, when the average, you know, you know, for the MLB player is around 280 to 90, um, and you know, hitters keep getting better and better, and you have to do all that you can to catch up. Joey Gallo, right now, you know, he was brought onto the Yankees kind of as you know, just another big power shot guy, you know. And he has 45 strikeouts this season, and that is a whole lot, and five home runs. And that is just, you know, not so far getting it done as far as what he was expected to have done. And even with, even if he had, you know, a lot of home runs, a 176 batting average still is just not going to be able to do anything productive. And so, Brandon, uh, of course, there are trade rumors about uh, Joey Gallo going. And but I want I'm going to ask you about that in a little bit. But the first thing I want to ask you is is do you have any you know I guess idea or clues on what exactly could be going on with Joey Gallo? I know we talked a little bit about this last week with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. About he is struggling a little bit. He has actually picked up the pace a little bit. And so, Brandon, I wanted to ask you about Joey Gallo's situation. CJ, so Joey Gallo has really struggled since he left the Rangers. And I think the biggest part of it is that he is no longer the big man in the lineup. When he was in Texas, he was always the perennial power 
uh, he was the one that stood out when you looked at a lineup card and knew that he was probably the biggest hitter on the team. Now he's in New York, and he's among quite a few other very big bats in Juan Carlos Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, and Aaron Judge. So I think what's happened is people are using Joey Gallo as an escape goat. They'll bring in a lefty just to face Joey Gallo and to ensure that they get him out because if they're going to let anybody beat him, they're going to let Aaron Judge beat him or Anthony Rizzo beat him. They're not going to let Joey Gallo beat him. And I think that's been the biggest problem so far. And CJ, you're right. He has a – last year when he joined the Yankees, to end the year he hit 160 – uh, for them, and then this year so far, he's only hit 179. So he has really struggled in the Bronx. He has not done very well um, when they've had him in the lineup. Uh, he's only hit 18 home runs in 100 games for them, which is nothing what they expect. They expect him to have well into like the latter part of the 20s, maybe even into the low 30s with those kind of numbers. So he's he's been a disappointment so far, so I definitely think we will see him moved before the uh, All-Star break. And if not before the All-Star break, I highly expect him to be gone before the trade deadline is over. Uh, he is somebody that can provide a big bat to someone in the DH position, but it is not working out in New York. CJ, are you thinking the same kind of thing there? Yeah, yeah, sorry about that, Brennan. But, um, yeah, and just to clarify, the uh, trade deadline is actually on July 31st, which is uh, roughly two months away. And so, Brandon, um, I was gonna, you said that you probably see him gone, you know, pretty soon, at least within the two months. So, are there any teams out there that you would think could benefit from gaining Joey Gallo? CJ, since everyone is using the DH this year, uh, we can look at teams that are not only the American League. So, with that being said, I think he could fit in in a few places. Maybe even someone across the state or inside the state lines in New York for the New York Mets. Uh, they are a team that's in first place that could they could really use a power bat they stick in their DH slot. Um, they, they need a lefty bat especially so to help complement Pete Alonzo. So CJ, my probably my easiest fit that I see is the New York Mets. Now another team in the NL East that could use him is the Philadelphia Phillies. There's talks right now with Bryce Harper. Is he going to have Tommy John surgery or is he not? Is he going to wait till the end of the year? Or is he not? So let's say Bryce Harper decides to have Tommy John surgery, which ends his season. They're going to need a big left-handed bat, so they would be potentially looking for Joey, someone like Joey Gallo. So I think the NL East has got two teams that he could fit in. Probably the best would be the Mets, but I could also see him working out in Philadelphia. Okay. Okay, Brandon. And uh, so, yeah, just – uh, it's good to know, I guess, as a player, uh, to know that there's going to be teams out there who can still benefit 
from uh, having you on their lineup, and uh, it doesn't, you know, it's not like a sure thing that your career is going to be over or anything, so that's definitely something that he needs to, I guess, keep in mind, uh, that although he might get traded, and probably will get traded, um, he has other places that will try to, you know, look for him, and places where he can still play baseball, and, you know, he's not, as we said, he's not done well this season, but, and and you brought up the thing about him not being the top person in the lineup, and so that could, that's, you know, brought him down a lot in his performance, because teams are trying to, uh, you know, they see him more of a sure out, and they focus more on the uh, bigger players like uh, Judge and Stanton and Rizzo. And so maybe he can find a place to where, like he was in uh, Texas with the Rangers, uh, some place where he is the big power bat in the lineup and so where he can dominate um, based off his role on the team. And so if he, I believe that if he can find a good team that uh, uh, he would fit into well nicely, I think that he might be able to go back to the old Joey Gallo that we were used to seeing, you know, the the big power bat who could, you know, hit bombs, you know, 450 feet. So, yeah. Uh it might be over his time might be over in New York, but it's definitely not over per se in baseball specific, you know, the MLB uh still a very good uh, talent there and people you know we hear about people having slumps we hear about people having off games it could last one day it could last a week it could last a month some, but some people even have it to where it lasts you know a season and so really it's it can be any of this as well there's so many things that it could be and I guess the important thing to remember is it's not gonna it's not a huge uh, deal when it's still, remember, we're still pretty early into the season where, you know, he's played 34 games this season. There's 162, so, yeah, uh, definitely a long way to go, and uh, I'm excited to see how he picks himself, how he tries to pick himself up and, you know, make an approach to start doing better, and, uh, yeah. We'll see, I guess. Brandon, is there anything else that you'd like to add on to that? No, CJ, that is all. Okay. Uh, the next thing that we are going to do is uh, MLB trivia. So, uh, let me get it pulled up here. Brandon, are you ready? I am, yes. Okay. So, let me get it pulled up here and I'll try to get you some more good questions I know uh last week we had you know a pretty good list of questions there so uh okay I'm gonna, okay I'm gonna start you off with the kind of hard one I guess uh this question is which team did Mike Trout hit his first career grand slam against in 2013 Oh my, okay. Um, well, CJ, I'm just going to use deductive reasoning to say that it was someone in his division. 
and I'm going to say the Oakland Athletics. It was not. It was actually the Detroit Tigers. Okay. It came off. Do you have any idea what pitcher it came off of? Oh, my. Pitcher? What year was it? 2013. 2013 Detroit, Detroit Tig- Tigers pitcher. Was it former Cy Young Award winner David Price? No. Okay, I don't know. It was uh, Rick Porcello. Oh, okay. He has also won a Cy Young Award. <laughs> yeah. I thought you, when you said that, I thought uh, you were going to get it. <laughs> but yeah. Um,. Okay, uh, this next question is, which baseball legend had the nickname the Flying Dutchman? The Flying Dutchman. Was that what you said? Yeah. Alright, so I'm... Would that refer to somebody who is fast? Yeah. Okay, so... So would that be Ricky Henderson? No. No, okay. All right, Billy Hamilton. No. All right, I'm out of guesses. It was Honus Wagner. Oh, okay. A uh, little while ago. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it says this was due to his speed and his German heritage. Oh, okay. Yeah, and another little fun fact for you about Honus Wagner. Honus Wagner is probably best known for his baseball card, which sold for $3.12 million in 2016. CJ, I believe that's the most a baseball card has ever sold for, correct? Yeah, I uh, I can look that up uh, real quick while you're answering the next question. Uh, I believe there's a Mickey Mantle card worth a whole lot million, but I'll, I'll look that up here in just a oh, second. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So, this next question is, who won more Silver Slugger Awards during their career? Mike Piazza or Yvonne Rodriguez? Okay, so, both of these two were catchers, Pudge Rodriguez and Mike Piazza. Both of them could hit. Uh, Let's see. CJ, I want to say Mike Piazza, the Mets catcher. It was Mike Piazza, yes. Okay. He he won 10 Silver Slugger Awards during his career, and Yvonne Rodriguez won the award seven times. Wow, okay. The record for the most Silver Slugger Awards belongs to, do you know who? By catcher? Uh, no, just by any, any oh, player. Oh, Barry Bonds? Yes, he yep. had 12 yep. of them. Okay, the next question is, how many regular season MVP awards did Derek Jeter win during his career with the New York Yankees? Oh, CJ, I want to say that's a trick question and zero. Yes, it is zero. Man, I thought I I had you that time. Yeah, shortstops (laughs) don't win too many MVP awards. (laughs) Nope. Um, yes, yeah, the answer is zero. As Derek Jeter never won the regular season MVP award in his career. Uh, he did, however, finish second in the voting in 2006, and he finished third in 1998 and 2009. So okay. he got close 
a few times, but never actually won it. Does this say who won in 2006? Uh, 2006. It does not say that, but I can find that out real quick. Well, I can tell you. It was Justin Morneau of the Twins. Okay, okay. And, uh, Brandon, the... Actually, speaking of Derek Jeter, he has one of the most uh, valuable sports cards, you know, we were uh, talking about there. It is what It was the 1993... Uh, his rookie card. It is worth one million five hundred forty-five thousand six hundred twenty-five dollars. Wow! And CJ, we talked about and, this the last time that those cards are only worth what people are willing to pay, but still pretty yes. cool to see that those have actually sold for that amount of money. Yeah, it's it's is pretty cool. And then actually, I was wrong about the Mickey Mantle card. Uh, it's worth a lot less than I thought, but it is uh, 1952 Mickey Mantle's rookie card, uh, graded 10. It is worth 618265 Oh, okay. So still a whole lot, but yeah, so I just wanted to uh, let you guys know that. So this next question is true or false? Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan did not win the Cy Young Award during his career. That... That is true. He did not win a Cy Young Award. Yeah, that is true. The man has the more no-hitters than anyone ever with seven, and he never won a Cy Young Award. That is pretty crazy. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, which team has won the most World Series titles during the 1970s? Oh, boy, the 1970s? Yes. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds is actually the Oakland Athletics. Uh, okay, I know the uh, Reds went to two, but I I can't tell you if they won them or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the Reds, what did the Cincinnati Reds change their name to in from nineteen fifty four to nineteen fifty eight before changing it? Back to the Reds. So they were this for five years, from '54 to '58. Yeah. Oh man. They they were the Reds. Then they were this. Then five years later, they were back to the Reds. CJ, the only thing that even comes to mind is the Red Stockings, but I feel like that was a different club, way earlier than the '50s. So my guess is going to be the Red Stockings, but I, I that's not right. It's kind of close, I guess. It was the Cincinnati Red Legs. Red Legs, okay. Well, yeah. the, the Red Legs. Uh, this is because they didn't want to be associated with the Red Scare during the Cold War. Oh, my so, yeah, word. Yeah, uh, kicking it way back. Back to the, you know, long time ago when you think about it. But uh, this next question is, Hank Aaron wore the number 44 for most of his career. Which number did he wear as a rookie before switching it to 44? Oh, Hank Aaron. What number did he wear before 44? Oh, boy. I want to say 13 or 24. CJ, I'm going to say 24. 
he wore it number five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't this even is close. For, yeah, this is for the Milwaukee Braves during his rookie season. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't even know that he wore anything besides 44. That's all I, you know, have ever seen him. Yeah, well, he was. he's always referred to as Mr. 44, so. Yeah. Okay. This next question here is, the Baltimore Orioles joined the MLB in 1954. Which city did they relocate from? The Baltimore Orioles? Yeah. Moved from somewhere else in what year? Uh, in 1954. Okay. Um... Cleveland. It was St. Louis. Uh, okay. Yep. St. Louis is now the city that hosts the St. Louis Cardinals, of course. Um, but yeah, they were, I guess, the St. Louis Orioles, I assume. No, they were the St. Louis Browns and played in the league from 1902 to 1953. Uh, this is a different franchise than the St. Louis Cardinals, which had existed since 1900. Okay. So, my next question here is a true or false question. Both Alex Rodriguez and Derek Jeter joined the 3,000 hit club after hitting a home run. I know Derek Jeter did it, for a fact. I'm going to say true. They both did it. Yes, it is actually true. Uh, as Derek Jeter hit a home run for his 3,000th hit against the Tampa Bay D Devil Rays, and Alex Rodriguez also hit a home run for his 3,000th hit, which came against the Detroit Tigers. The only other player to have homered for his 3,000th hit was actually, do you know who? Uh, no idea. Pete Rose? It was Wade Boggs. Oh, okay. The first baseman for the Yankees, I believe. But yeah, and uh, didn't Brandon, Derek Jeter, and Alex Rodriguez, didn't they play together? They did, for quite a while. Yeah, yeah shortstop and third base. Yep. CJ, Wade Boggs made his name for the Boston Red Sox, but he also did play for the Yankees at one point. He won a, oh, World, okay. he won a World Series with the Yankees, but he played oh. most of his time for the Red Sox. Oh, okay, okay. I had... Uh, seen him before when I like first ever like heard about him. It was about him doing something with the Yankees, so that's I guess why. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. The next question here is: Which team joined the MLB first, the Texas Rangers or the Kansas City Royals? Okay. Neither team has been around for that long. I'm gonna say the Rangers joined first. It was the Kansas City Royals hmm. and joined the league in 1969. The Texas Rangers subsequently joined the league three years later, 1972. So it was very close. See, I thought the Royals were in the 70s also. Okay. Yeah, but only, you know, one year off. It was very close. Okay. The next question here is, who was selected first in the 2007 MLB draft? David Price or Madison Bumgarner? 
CJ, I believe David Price was the number one overall pick, so it would have been him. Yeah, it was David Price who was selected first overall by the Tampa Bay Rays. Bumgarner was actually selected 10th overall by the San Francisco Giants. Okay, uh, this will be our last question here. How many total hits did Pete Rose finish with in his career? Uh, it's over 4,000. 4,350. I don't know. That is pretty close. It is uh, 4,256. Okay. I knew so, it was yeah. over 4,000. I just I didn't know how much. Yeah, you got uh, within 100. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. Brandon, our last thing here that we're going to do is uh, our game predictions for next week. And so, okay, so our first game we got here is the, and uh, this is for the whole series. Right. This is the Boston Red Sox versus the Angels. CJ, the Angels are uh, not doing so hot in their last 10. Still had a very good season so uh, overall. So I'm going to give it to Otani and Trout at the Angels. The Red Sox have been very disappointing so far, so I've got to give it to uh, L.A. Yes, Brandon, I'm going to agree with you here. Uh, the Angels are currently 27 and 23, while the Red Sox are 23 and 27. So uh, the Angels, you know, um, they have the better record. They've been doing uh all right this season so far and some agree with you on there and give it to them our next one here is the new york mets versus the san diego padres all right cj the mets have won six in a row they've won eight out of their last ten the padres are four and six out of their last ten and then second place of the nl west uh the mets are the hottest team in baseball right now they uh, won six straight, so I've got to give it to them. New York Mets. Brandon, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm going to go with the San Diego Padres. Um, the Padres are currently 30 and 20. Uh, the Mets are 35 and 17. But uh, I'm going to go with the underdog for this one, and I think that uh, the Padres will be able, to be able to pull it out. They've been playing solid baseball lately. And, um, you know, I, th I think that they'll be able to continue through and make a good run on this series as well at home. Okay. Our next one here is the Toronto Blue Jays versus the Kansas City Royals. All right. So the Royals are in last place in the AL Central at 16 and 33. The Toronto Blue Jays are in second place of the AL East at 28 and 8. They have also won eight out of their last. 10 games. They have turned it back on. They have found a groove and they're winning baseball again. So I'm giving it to the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, Brandon, I'm going to have to agree with you there. They're uh you know, they're doing a whole whole lot better than the Royals are right now. The Blue Jays are 28 and 20 and the Royals are 16 and 33. So, uh the Royals pretty much being the worst team in baseball. <laughs> And uh, Blue Jays doing a whole lot better. Uh, we talked about Vlad last week 
Vladimir Guerrero Jr., how he was struggling at the plate. And uh, we both said that he would start doing, you know, pretty well again. And uh, it turns out he's actually been doing, you know, all right. Seems to, as he has turned it around, and he's leading this Blue Jays teams to a lot of wins lately. So yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna go with the Blue Jays on that one. Okay, Brandon. Uh, our next one here is an NL East matchup between the Washington Nationals and the Miami Marlins. CJ, the two worst teams in the NL East, uh, but the Nationals are far worse than the Marlins. So I'm gonna give it to the uh, Miami Marlins. Yeah, Brandon, again, I'm going to agree with you here. The Marlins are 20 and 27. Nationals are 18 and 34. Um, you know, like you said, two worst teams in their division right now. But, uh, you know, Marlins still, you know, ahead of the Nationals record by a whole lot. And so I'm going to go with the Marlins there. And actually, the Nationals, you know, have actually just played a lot more games than the Marlins have. But, yeah, the Nationals still have a lot worse record. So we're going to go with the Marlins there. And, Brandon, our last series that we're going to do tonight is the Philadelphia Phillies and the Milwaukee Brewers. CJ, the Brewers are the best team in the NL Central at 32-19. and 19. The Philadelphia Phillies are 21-29, and 29, not playing very good baseball. Uh, Bryce Harper is about the only bright spot on that lineup. The Brewers have a lot of key pieces that help them win every night, and they've got a bull- great bullpen bolstered by Josh Hader in the back. I'm going to give it to the Brewers. I uh, figured you'd say that, and uh, Brandon, I've agreed with you too much tonight, and so I'm going to have to give it to the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, yeah, there are a few games behind 500, but that's no big deal. Uh, normally rooting against the Phillies, but uh, I'm going to have to root for them here uh, against the series against the Brewers just because I'm picking them, and I think they'll be able to, you know, come out i think the underdogs are going to come out on top on this one <laughs> but but uh yeah i'm known for picking the underdogs and usually it not paying off that well uh so so but yeah um i still have i, I have hope that maybe it'll amount to something one day maybe i doubt it ever will but we'll we'll have to see so brandon is there anything else that you would like to add before we close out No, CJ, that is all. Okay. Uh, Thank you all for watching, and um, don't forget to tune in next time, and we'll see you later. Good night.